0: True Hauntings is a Frightfully Good production.
2: At the height of Puritan New England, Captain John Turner I built a home for his family on the coast of Massachusetts Bay. This simple two-story, two-room home circled a tall chimney to keep in the warmth During the chilly winters,
0: the house would expand considerably over the coming years and features would be added, removed and added back again to match various styles over the decades. But its famed seven gables would become the home's most iconic feature.
2: Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode of the True Hauntings podcast, we take you to Salem and one of the most famous landmarks in that city, the House of the Seven Gables. And we dig into its history of ghostly residents.
3: Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. I just found this blog
2: and must tell you about my experience at the House of the Seven Gables. The Saturday before Halloween 2005, my older sister and I took a drive and toured Salem. A lot of celebrating was going on due to Halloween being in two days. We ended our tour with the House of the Seven Gables. I'd heard of the house, of course, and knew about Nathaniel Hawthorne, but I knew nothing about the hauntings. My sister and I took the tour, which included climbing a secret spiral staircase to the upstairs floor. We came out in a bedroom, and around the corner was a sparsely furnished attic. I remember it was very chilly in there, cold enough to see our breath. As the tour guide explained how the attic had been used by the servants, my eyes travelled down to an old mattress and pillow laying on the floor. Suddenly, I I had a strange sensation. I saw a young boy, approximately twelve, laying on the mattress, head in hand. He was watching us with a bemused expression on his face. It was a very clear image. A boy dressed in a white buttoned down long-sleeved shirt, black pants that were tattered at the calves, and no shoes or socks. He also had a mop of dark hair. I felt no threat or fear and could understand why he was watching everyone with a half-smile on his face. Later on the way home, I told my sister my experience. I later looked up spectres of the House of Seven Gables and was shocked to find that a young boy has been seen haunting the attic. Up until that moment, I'd never heard of anyone or anything haunting the place. I've no doubt I've plugged into some nebulous transmitter, and that's why I say... I saw what I saw. Do I believe the House of Seven Gables is haunted? You bet I do.
0: Hi, Anne. Hi, Renata. And welcome to all of our listeners for this week's episode. Uh, Salem is one of those places on my bucket list that I really hope to get to. Desperately want to go to. Yeah, we were so close just before COVID hit. Yeah,
2: we were. We we had to cancel the whole trip, but we'll get there. I think maybe end of next year
0: we'll aim for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll be Mm -hmm. over in the USA for sure. So we will actually be able to step inside this place For ourselves. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I want to tell a little bit about the history that I found out about this place. It's fascinating. Mm. The House of the Seven Gables is one of the oldest surviving timber-framed mansion houses in continental North America. And it has 17 rooms and over 8,000 square feet, which is about 700 square metres, including its large cellars. And, of course... um, If they've got a cellar, it's haunted. That's it. Let's just finish the show there. And an attic. Yes. Can't Mm. get much better than that. And uh, over the years, it has been changed many times uh, with regard to, you know, whoever was living in the house at the time, as we talked about in the intro. The Turner and Ingersoll families were both merchants in Salem. And the house was known as the Turner Ingersoll House until it became famous for its Seven Gables.
2: You've got to say, you know, that's not a terribly exciting name compared to the House of Seven Gables. Yes, yes.
0: They were both merchants. Uh, They made their wealth sailing uh, around and trading. And John Turner... The first built the house in 1668 and he was trading commodities from salem across the ocean to the caribbean and to england so he was taking goods from salem and bringing goods from all the other countries that he'd visited and he made quite a bit of money now the earliest section of the house the seven gables was built facing salem harbour and it was originally just a two-room and two and a half story house with a projecting front porch and a massive central chimney. Now this portion now forms the middle of the house, and um, yeah you know, when you go inside, that's kind of the original bit, which is awesome that that sort of is still there.
2: I mean, that's what they used to do is to keep the whole house warm. they'd have a massive big chimney
0: that goes right up through the middle of the house. Mm. They'd keep everything warm above. Mm-hmm. Four windows of the original ground floor room, which became the dining room, remain in the house house's side wall. Now, the house of the Seven Gables remained in the John Turner family for three generations. So it was John Turner, the first, John Turner, the second and John Turner, the third. Oh, geez, they're creative with their oh, names. They are. <laughs> they are. And Seven Gables each faced in different directions on a compass. Which was very oh, interesting, yeah. Hang on. Isn't
2: that a little bit of uh, Freemasonry? And calling in the quarters.
0: Mm. It's a bit of witchcraft mm. there. Watch out. Well, they were sailors. <laughs> you yeah, know, they, yeah. they, they did they you know, applied their craft at sea and you know, we know that sailors are very, very superstitious. Oh,
2: incredibly, people. after doing the A B C of superstitions on Spooky Sundays, nearly every single thing was something to do with the sailors. Mm.
0: So John Turner was the patriarch of the family and really the town was the center of New England trade in fishing and mercantile trading. Now, John Turner died at sea in 1742, and at the time of his death, he was one of the wealthiest people in Massachusetts. His son John Turner the yes. inherit, second inherited a lot of houses, two hundred acres of land, and merchant ships that were in the harbour, ready to go, ready to go. Yeah, and he did a good job. He actually made more money for the family. Um, he he was around when the Salem witch trials were on, and uh, the house has uh, a few hidden. Bits and pieces. Mm. One of them being a hidden staircase. Oh yes. And he was very, very worried at the time uh, when these witch trials were going on because people were pointing the finger at anyone. And oh, any secrets anywhere? Mm. Oh. And so he hid his sister for a period of time within the house, mm. using this um, hidden staircase and hidden rooms, just in case, just just to keep her safe in case things went you know, a, a little bit. So nobody cray-cray. could steal her away and and do horrible things to her. Yeah. Yeah. Now, John Turner third inherited the house of the Seven Gables in 1742 and uh, it kind of fell apart when he... And this is kind of what sometimes what happens when you inherit great riches and you don't actually spend your time uh, exhaustively making those riches. Yeah. So he kind of... You know, I, I guess dabbled in excesses and did things that uh, he wasn't uh, well. Um well, he he spent the family fortune. Yeah,
2: he spent the family Instead fortune. Of, yep. He didn't learn the trade, mm-hmm. or maybe the trade had changed by the time he got to the the family business. I don't know.
0: I th- I think I still go with he didn't make that money. No, he inherited it. Yeah. And so he, he did a few frivolous things. A little bit entitled. Mm, mm. We know all about entitled people. Oh, we, don't we? do. Don't even start us. <laughs> so he, he had to actually sell the house in 18, 1782. And that's when it left the Turner family and was then sold to the Ingersoll family. Captain Samuel Ingersoll was another merchant seaman. So it went from one to another. He traded around the world, though. So as John Turner had a small area uh, that he made sure that he did his trade in, John Turner, um, sorry, Captain uh, Ingersoll had a much bigger enterprise going on. He made a huge fortune and uh, he gave the house to his daughter to look after. Now, by this stage... This home was already established uh, within Salem's history because it was sort of associated with the Salem Witch Trials. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was another person that came into the household at this particular stage, and it was a young lad by the name of Nathaniel Hawthorne. Now, Nathaniel, as a young boy, injured his leg and he was quite restricted to the turn Ingersoll Mansion for about two years. He was a cousin of Susanna who was looking after the home at this particular point in time. And Susanna and he had a great relationship. And Susanna would tell him stories about the Salem witch trials and things that used to go on in Salem. Um, as a young lad, you can imagine how this had filled his head yeah. um, until he realised that um, the judge... During the trials, was actually a member of his family. Yes, and this really upset him deeply as he found out more and more. Mm. To the point that when he grew older, he actually changed his name. Oh wow! He added a W to oh, his name, okay. making instead it instead Hawthorne. Of Hathorn, it was mm-hmm. Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Yes. Oh. He, of course, learned everything about um, the house and uh, became a writer and created a famous novel called The House of the Seven Gables. He added an element of superstition and ghost stories and curses and everything to the house that did not exist before that and... This is a very interesting story about this house because this is the point where everything changes. Does the original house create the book or does the book create the
2: house? Yes. I was actually saying to that to you before we started, like, sometimes those boundaries are blurred. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Nathaniel was uh, a, quite a scallywag. Um, in, he was a naughty boy. Was in he? <laughs> Salem. He did have other jobs that he was doing there, uh, but he had uh, quite a bit of a reputation, which he loved to exaggerate anyway. So he was quite well known. And So he was um, a creative. He was a creative, absolutely. And he, as mentioned before, he spent a lot of time with his second cousin, Susanna, and uh, the Ingersoll's adopted son, Horace Connolly. Uh, they would entertain in the house. Uh, at this stage, too, Ingersoll uh, changed the house. So a number of the gables were gone by that stage. He changed it um, to suit the architectural trends of the time. Wow. Well, that's and, because Susanna also knew a lot about the house's history, this is where she really developed the storyline of the Seven Gables in Nathaniel's brain, uh, and he continued this uh, within the book. Now, he wrote the book in 1851, and this actually injected a lot of um, interest in this place that was kind of slowly dying away it was it was really just a, a family home uh, and all of a sudden it gained popularity because this book was out it was going really 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 well people were becoming uh, interested in coming to see this place uh salem was also growing in notoriety because of the witch trials. So people uh, were visiting. Um, The harbour was very, very busy. Of course, the house sits very closely to the harbour. And um, he was moved to conserve this place. He really didn't want this place to be knocked down because it was by that stage in, in really bad condition and pretty well ready to be torn down. Now, uh, in 1879, Susanna uh, had to sell the house. Uh, It lay barren um, and it became in even worse uh, condition for a couple of years. In 1883, it was purchased and renovated by the Upton family who made it their home. And in 1908, a, a philanthropist by the name of Carolyn Emerton bought the house and she noted that most of the seven gables had vanished uh, and the house was incredibly changed from its original. And in 1910, she founded an association to restore the house to what it originally was. And from that point on, really, the house was paying for itself. People started to come in and um, be very, very interested in it. She turned it into a museum and settlement home. Uh, She made the alterations that were inspired by Nathaniel's novel and it uh, was brought back in line to what it authentically would have looked like, that that colonial style. She uh, added gardens to like were mentioned in the book. She put a well in that was mentioned in the book. Um, there was a secret staircase leading to the chimney in the attic. Uh, and from that period on, really, it it has sort of gathered this momentum as this living, breathing museum that attracts yeah. everyone. It's like the house is a alive. Living, yeah. 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 And Nathaniel even uh, mentioned that when he was... Um, Creating the book, he always believed that the House of the Seven Gables was a living breathing entity in Salem. And he wanted to make sure that that was a legacy that was left behind. They've actually moved his birthplace home onto the site now as well. Oh. Okay. So Nathaniel's home where he lived is also part of the museum area around the se- the House of the Seven Gables. Right. And that's about me. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, All right.
2: Well, over to me now. Now, I just want to give you a, a little more background that will allow the understanding of the, the ghosts or the possible ghosts that are there, or let's call it a haunting. I think that might be a better way of call, calling it. So you mentioned that Nathaniel's ghost uh, great-great-grandfather or something like that was involved with the the witch trials. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he was one of the chief judges. Mm-hmm. And uh, that led to the execution of 19 people based on really flimsy mm-hmm. evidence. Mm. Really flimsy. Mm. Uh, now, Nathaniel really took it to heart and he felt that what he had done, his grandfather had done all the whatever the relative connection is um was a stain on the family's name and as you said he changed it and he thought it was a a horrible injustice and he actually wanted to teach people um through his stories what they had the 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 horrible crime they committed but obviously using different names so he used the name uh pinchin as the family that was there in the Seven Gables. And the idea with the storyline, because I haven't read the book and I've just tried to gather the information, is that uh, using the hysteria that was around at the time of the witch trials in Salem, this Pynchon wanted some land for himself. So he accused somebody of being a witch, falsely accused, that neighbour got executed, the one he wanted the lands, mm-hmm. and uh, he was then able to obtain those lands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and allegedly they placed a curse on the pension family. All right, so that, that's the basis of the novel and what happens there. Uh, there was this great little quote here. So it said Nathaniel was similarly troubled by what his ancestor had done because it was quite similar, and felt that the actions of the uh, almost supernatural inheritance he couldn't rid himself of. And he wrote the book called The Scarlet Letter. Mm -hmm. And at the start of that, in his prologue, he said, Judge Hawthorne made himself so conspicuous in the martyrdom of the witches that their blood may fairly be said to have left a stain upon him. I know not whether these ancestors of mine bethought themselves to repent and ask pardon of heaven for their cruelties. At all events, I, the present writer, as their representative, hereby take shame upon myself for their sakes, and pray that any curse incurred by them may now and henceforth be removed.
0: So he's brought that curse into reality. Yeah. He's actually taken it out of his story. Yep. And made it a real thing. Yes. Even before he goes deeper into the story. And this is the thing
2: about curses. So you quite often will have people in readings come up to you and say, I think I've been cursed. And what do you say to them? Well, if you believe it, you have been. Yeah. Because part of humanity, part of life is that shitty things happen. Mm. And if you believe you are cursed, then you are going to attribute that Yep. To a curse. As it Where, has been done in centuries before. And it's just everyday life. Yep. Uh all right, so whether there was actually a curse laid towards Judge Hathorne, mm-hmm. nobody really knows. But some do believe that these malevolent forces have remained at the House of the Seven Gables. Mm-hmm. The retribution of what was done wrong to them. Mm-hmm. I found this amazing paper, which I'm going to get to at the end, which talks about hauntings and what they are and what the House of the Seven Gables has done to the culture of hauntings mm-hmm. in America. Mm. It's, it's like, wow. Now, interestingly enough, there is actually not a lot reported about hauntings. Uh, I was worried that there were going to be this mixing up between the ghosts that appear in the House of Seven Gables and the the, the ghosts that people
0: see. Mm-hmm. I have some story. but yeah, it, it doesn't help that some of the major articles written about the house say that no one ever died in the house well, and, there, and there should be no hauntings associated with it. <laughs> there is one person, according to the notes
2: I had, that was born and died in that house. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. One person. Yep. And I think it was Susanna. Okay. So, uh, but I the tour guides firmly deny that there are any ghosts or <clears throat> ghouls within the premises. And they try to stop the rumours, mm-hmm. but obviously people mix the fact and the fi- fiction. Do you know what this place reminds me of? Jamaica Inn. Uh-huh. With Daphne du Maurier, who who wrote that story. And when we went there, they've got the outlines of the bodies or they have little signs saying this is where somebody died. And people get confused between what was the real story of the place and the novel. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean it could be based on something that happened But it's not a historical thing So I think the tour guides Are denying anything that's going on In the house because they don't want people to get The story of the the novel Confused with the actual Reality of who lived within The house mm-hmm. uh, A bit like Maitland Jail they just like to have that Historical facts and sometimes Some of them don't like the, the Spooky side of it mm-hmm. They just want facts mm-hmm. I understand Now That doesn't stop the fact that people have seen things there. So visitors have seen shadow people. They hear ominous murmuring, especially late at night. Uh, There's reports of generally a strange atmosphere that surrounds the property and the grounds. Mm -hmm. Now, there are reports of two spirits that are recurring. The first is a small boy who loves to play in the attic. Now, he's said to make noises during tours or peek out from windows on the upper floor. And there's been at least one time that the boy has been seen scrambling up that secret staircase only to disappear mm-hmm. after being trailed up to the attic. And my opening uh, statement, the, the soundscape, was all about that boy. Now, there are some that claim that that boy that is seen, his name is Julian, who was the son of Nathaniel Hawthorne. Right. But there isn't any record Des- of him even visiting the home ever. Why would he be a ghost there? Oh, yes. And the description that that lady saw sounded more like a a, a ruffian or a, um, a servant or something like that. He didn't sound like he was the son of a, a reasonable, well-off mm-hmm. author. I'm not sure if Nathaniel was or not, but uh, yeah. Now, the other spectre that is seen quite often is allegedly Susanna Ingersoll. She is thought to wander through the halls of her former home. Guests have claimed to see a woman in white peeking down through the windows. Have we got our woman in white? Yes. Got to have that. Watching as people are going in and out of the house and around the grounds. Are they really ghosts there or are they the expected ghosts there? You've got to admit, Salem has a reputation for being very spooky. Are people just hyped up, ready to have an experience at this house? Is it because the book is about um, you know, the curses and the traumas and the ghosts seeking revenge? Don't really know.
0: How, I, has, has, have ghosts been created for the house? Exactly. Over the years of speaking about them. I look Well,
2: I have some TripAdvisor reviews. We mm-hmm. always love a TripAdvisor review. But while I was just researching, I found a little interesting fact. Would you like to hear it? Absolutely. It's got nothing to do with the ghost, but it could have created a ghost. Um, while they were doing tours uh, at this house, they came into a room that had a large fireplace. And that's when um, the guide was telling them that in the 17th century, the women in the kitchen would soak their skirts in water. Now do you know why they did that? So they wouldn't go up in flames. That's right. So they wouldn't catch fire. You imagine being in winter, mm-hmm. and you've got wet, wet dresses. Mm. Oh, um, yes. Because if you went up in flames, the, the way they were buttoned up and trust. They, oh, you'd, you'd die. You wouldn't get. Yeah, you wouldn't out get of your through climbing. the doorway. Yeah. So there were horrific deaths that happened because of that, and that's what they learned to do. They, mm-hmm. anyway, back to the story. I'm going to jump into um, some. Trip Advisors. Mm -hmm. So this one was called Historic and Haunted A Review of the House of the Seven Gables. And this was back in 2011. Uh, Who wrote this? I've lost their name anyway. All right. I actually visited the House of the Seven Gables back in 1984 with my first husband. The tour of the house is enjoyable and very informative. However, for us, the highlight of the tour was witnessing a rocking chair in the attic rocking by itself. At first we thought it had been rigged as part of the tour, even though the tour guide and most of the group had already left the room. But when we inspected it closely, we found no wires or strings or anything that could have caused that chair to rock or move. It was an experience that I'll never forget and I hope to someday return to the House of the Seven Gables and visit whoever or whatever sat in that rocking chair. Mm -hmm. Very nice. That's good. I like that one. I like that
1: one. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends.
2: and up to 25% off outdoor. That's
1: up to 25% off outdoor furniture at com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
2: One, one, one default. They forgot the R. Ah, that's all right. I'll forgive them. <laughs> one default. Especially for the holidays or any time of the year, being a Salem resident, the tourism and museums get old. However, the House of Seven Gables is always a joy when we visit, which is numerous times, not only just for the store, but for the tours. The Ghosts of the Gables we've seen three times in five years, and every time it's done impeccably. The lighting is great. So, oh, uh-huh. so they're saying that it's created for well, the no, people. This, this is an actual theatrical thing they put yes. on. Mm-hmm. The actors are professionals, speak loudly enough to hear and clearly, and they, their acting is wonderful. The feel of the place is not only spooky, but educational and historically accurate. We plan on attending our first Christmas at the Gables event this year and very much look forward to it. The place is family-friendly. However, due to the stairs, it isn't handicapped accessible. Also, if you're claustrophobic, there is a hallway and a stairwell to beware of, though you pass through quickly, so hopefully it doesn't deter you positive... I think they've left out an R ah there. Your positive experience of the facility. The grounds mm. are beautiful. I want to go visit now. Mm-hmm. That's it. I want to go visit. Every volunteer and staff member is friendly, professional and knowledgeable. Can't say enough positive things about the museum. And that's it. It is a museum now. Mm-hmm. Uh. But you imagine if you're walking down on the street and there was an actor reenacting something. You've looked up in the window and you've seen it. Mm. You're going to think that's a ghost. Yeah. So there's a possibility to explain the hauntings. I do like to explain what's going on. Hmm. One other little thing which uh, is interesting for you, Renata. Mm-hmm. Now, in your notes, you were saying about the uh, secret staircase. Yes, the secret staircase. Where they hid the sister. Well, and it was created. It was created. <laughs> so what happened was, is the Carolyn Emerton, who took over the house to turn into a museum, actually created the things that were in the book to make people feel more like they were visiting the, the place Of the book. Yes. So they created the garden as it was described. They had the secret staircase leading from behind the chimney to the attic. Uh, And it was done. It it wasn't part of the original features. It was done for the tourists. Mm -hmm. Bloody clever, may I say. Mm -hmm. Really, really clever.
0: And interesting because there is a YouTube um, clip. Um, when the House of the Seven Gables received a bucket load of money for renovations and there was a fella that was standing uh, in one area and he was actually showing that there's another room up the top here Mm -hmm. that obviously has been hidden away and this money is going to allow us to be able to get up into there and see what's going on. So this has not finished. This this additional storytelling about more areas of the house is still going on. So as I said, they got a whole lot of money and this guy was saying, well, there's still more here. More
2: to be discovered. Yeah,
0: because these timbers are different and it it looks." kind of strange and we're going to go and explore because now we've got more money brilliant yeah
2: absolutely
0: now in my research i also
2: found some references to some other hauntings uh and that was the only place i found these ones i thought they were interesting uh another personal account that claims that hawthorne's son spirit's been seen there we've mentioned that uh they're talking about this person called lisa who decided to take a tour of the house and um she snapped a photo whilst on the tour outside and in the picture you can make out the picture of a young boy in the shrubbery We've got a boy in the
0: a shrubbery. A boy in the shrubbery. Yeah. Yep. Mm, not, get,
2: that's not pareidolia at all. That, that sounds like we could get a T-shirt. Can we have a T-shirt with a boy <laughs> in the shrubbery? A very Monty Python. <clears throat> there's another spirit that's said to be haunting the house, and that's of a woman who is sometimes doing the work of a seamstress. She is seen sewing and walking the house. That could be Susanna. It could be. Yeah. Some claim that there is a residual haunting on the staircase. The apparition of a black man has been seen going up and down the stairs. Now, this is from the uh, podcast History Goes Bump, and they've they've normally got really good stuff there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I couldn't find any other reference to this man that's been going up down the stairs. But as they pointed out, that the stairs were only newly built from... 1908 onwards Mm -hmm. so this is one of these things is somebody created the haunting or is it part of what they expect a haunting to be Mm -hmm. uh or is it just some psychic who said oh i can sense there's a man on the stairway over there and now it
0: becomes legend it's that's still a hundred years though um you know well over a hundred years there could have been over time you know different people who worked at the museum yeah. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's also uh,
2: people feel like they're being watched as they go through the house. There are portraits throughout the house that could create that feeling. But also part of the House of the Seven Gables, if I remember correctly, with the curse, is that the first um, pension man... They found him dead in front of his portrait, I think it was. So maybe that's part of the story where mm-hmm. people are getting that feel, oh, there's the portrait, or oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like I'm being watched. It all sort of blends across, but I love how the tour guides are trying to separate it out. That's that's really cool. But now I'm going to go down the deep, dark hole where we're going to think. Oh, no, this, this is going to be painful. Yep. Yeah, it's it's, this is from... Um, uh, what's it called? I don't know how do you, how do you say D I L E W T A N T E Delante, dilettante, dilettante. There we are, Dilettantearmy.com. and it's the, this house is still haunted, and I love this quote: "To have a ghost, you must first have a past." Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So this author. Goes into the, I think he was looking at the book, The House of Seven Gables, and was working out what is a haunting and what is like the trope, what is the the standard thing that happens in hauntings. Mm -hmm. And quite often there's some sort of... Ill-gotten gain, or ill-gotten real estate, or somebody else has suffered because um, somebody else somebody else got wealthy from them. Uh, it's it's sort of like there's something bad has happened that that stain is there and sort of sticks to the place. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm going to make sense. I would have really liked to have had a a couple more days just wrapping my head around this because it's really, really good. So what he was trying to say was that the author, the way he has written the book, was trying to teach people lessons from the past so that they would learn how to behave better in the future. So he was saying like past evils will destroy those who come to benefit from them. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he even made reference at one stage rather, to the Amateurville house, how there was that horrible murder that happened there uh, and it was a wealthy sort of family and the Lutz family came in and they thought they were going to be above everyone else. They were going to be fine. Nothing was going to worry them about this house with this stain on it and they were going to get a house in this amazing suburb, this amazing property at a bargain because this horrible thing happened there. And they thought they were going to be above everyone else, but they didn't. They succumbed to the haunting as well. So the haunted house is supposed to be a place where we deal with how things have gone wrong. And yeah. you, you've got to work through what has gone wrong in that house to be able to deal with the haunting of the house. Now, the United States, is are talking about the United States, is a nation where people believe ghosts are real. Mm-hmm. And they've done yep. surveys, and the surveys say that so a huge percentage of people believe that ghosts are real. <sighs> oh, wow. So the house is not haunted by ghosts or demons it's haunted by memory it's haunted by memory it's haunted by the deeds of the people that happened before them Mm -hmm. and the real person was the judge who convicted those well one of them that convicted those souls to die yes and other people would have gained from the death of those people yep uh maybe not him directly we don't know but it could have been a way for him to gain wealth now i'm just going to quote a little bit more from this article across this history across history the word haunted provides a vocabulary for the forces outside an individual's control
0: yeah yeah we
2: got Mm -hmm. that yeah uh and as well as the way that we, as individuals, are constrained by them, even especially when we cannot perceive or even comprehend what they are. As Sigmund Freud points out, haunted is already a limited translation of unheimlich. How I go with my German? Very good. And the repeated description of houses in... Uh, particular as haunted illustrates some of the ways that this vocabulary guides both thought and actions being haunted is in a sense the experience of being constrained whether by another's will or by the blunt necessity of historical circumstances so if i tell you a house is haunted you might expect to encounter ghosts dead bodies devils but what you'll find is actually worse so what hang on so this is this whole thing again about feeling out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you can't control the circumstances of things that are happening around you because of what you perceive to be a haunting. But what they got down to here is they got, got onto the Indian burial grounds. I thought you're going to love this. Uh, they were saying that... The haunted houses often attribute the haunting to a specific place, like Indian burial grounds. Like mm-hmm. They'll say, this house is haunted because it's been built on top of an Indian burial ground. And they're blaming the Indian burial ground.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What they're not actually addressing is the stain. Mm-hmm. That they have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. By building a house on an Indian burial ground and they're not acknowledging the history of what has led up mm-hmm. to that stain. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, the the dispossession and the violence against the the Native Americans there. But they'll all jump up and down and go, Oh, it's haunted because we're on a
0: Indian mm-hmm. burial ground. Do you get where I'm getting at with all of this? So it's it's all about trying to blame someone or something. Thing, an external thing rather than dealing with the horrible stuff that actually went on to create all of that so i i kind of always go to you know if you read books that say she was haunted by the death of her husband yeah or whatever it's it's like the memory mm. of something terrible that happened it can't be erased. It's there, and for some people, it's it becomes part of their existence, and they are literally haunted by the ghost of which is the remnant of that thing that happened that yeah. was so emotionally terrible that it's left its mark. Yeah, but but is it an actual physical
2: being? Or is it the memory of what's happened there playing on your
0: mind mm-hmm. because it hasn't been dealt with culturally? A- absolutely. So, and in most cases, I would say no. It's it is not a ghost. Yeah, it's your guilt or
2: your um, fear. Yeah. And or, this is what this book mm-hmm. has brought mm-hmm. to. The culture of what is a ghost, what is a haunted house. Mm-hmm. And then many other books and things started to use this as a basis. Because it worked. Yeah. Oh, my head's just spinning now, but not with great pea. What do you call it, Pea green soup. <laughs> <laughs> so, what they should have done, uh, for example, uh, with the Amityville, and like there was even some. Uh, Uh, some talk about there was no Indian burial ground. Mm -hmm. But we've been talking to Dave Schrader since then. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to give you too much because you... Myself and Dave Schrader are actually going to do a, mm-hmm. a special event on this. Mm-hmm. Um, he says different things. He says different things. Yes. he yes. He's actually saying that there was an Indian burial ground there, but we're not going to tell you how until you listen to that podcast. Uh, that's coming soon, mm-hmm. we hope. Maybe after the next trip.
0: <laughs> the, the thing is that if you look at where all of these, like... The world wasn't created yesterday. There is trauma everywhere in the ground and in the environment and in places. Um, Spiritual communities have dealt with these things differently over the centuries by creating sacred sites Mm. and creating places where they can take time out to revere the ancestors and to bring them healing and to bring them um, a sense of peace. This doesn't happen in the Western world. No. What do they do if they've got
2: a, an Indian burial ground that they think they've got a haunting from? They build over it because it can make money. No, no. But what, <laughs> what do they do to solve the problem of the haunting? They call in a priest. Uh-huh. That is not showing respect to the, the ground that is there. Uh-huh. What's that going to do? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Nothing. at all. it's going to make them more angry mm-hmm. that that's happened because it's not respecting what has happened to... The trauma on the land or the house or whatever it mm-hmm. is, yep. which is why you should go and get whoever is culturally involved. It's like, if there was some sort of Aboriginal spirit here, we wouldn't go and try and fix that. Absolutely we not. We would go yeah. to uh, an elder of the Aboriginal clans mm-hmm. that are here and say, um, these people are having issues and this is not our place to do it. Would you be able to speak to them, please? Yeah.
0: Is, is your mind spinning? It's, no, because (laughs) I, yeah, I I, I understand this part of it. Mm -hmm. I understand this part of it. Remember. um, All
2: right, we're we're trying to gather our thoughts, so just bear with us. All right,
0: go Renata. uh, Yeah, it's, we met Jeff Belanger uh, quite a number of years ago when he came out um, to do a paranormal conference that was here in Australia. But uh, Jeff's written, Quite a number of books, and he has a really great quote, and I don't, I can't say it one hundred percent the way he writes it, but it, it's something that goes along the lines of, you know, a haunting is like history trying to be heard. I love that. That's great. And it is. It's like it is. an echo it's of an the echo. past. They want to tell the truth. Yeah, that is is stuck and becomes. <laughs> This, but
2: but yeah. if we keep layering in rubbish, rubbish, mm-hmm. then that's the echo that's going to be
0: there. Yeah, Because people but, create things. And does that first echo disappear or become it, it, even more... Thin, I suppose. It dissipates. Or aggravated. Oh, if it's intelligent. By the fact that
2: we're not telling the truth. Yeah. I hope you guys are sort of enjoying the um, sort of sideways... Slant we're taking on this one at the moment, but I had to go back to the Indian burial grounds because in the book, *The House of the Seven Gables*, he actually refers to the uh, the headman Pynchon who he felt he was more superior than everyone else because he had uh, land, he had wealth, he had everything, but there was one thing he needed to find. And it was for some Native American ground, which was a legal document that would prove that he was the owner. Mm -hmm. And then if he could find that missing thing, he would feel complete again. Um, So it was like this this part of him that he wanted to prove it was his land. Mm -hmm. And this is Mm -hmm. to do with the one that was um, falsely accused. Mm -hmm. So... They, there was a bit of a summary here that they gave us about the ownership can feel strange when possessions are haunted. So if it feels like the house was haunted. Uh, the only, The idea of owning and being in control
0: is challenged if a ghost is present. And it's like that says you will never own me. Yeah. You will never own this place because it can never be yours. Yeah, that's
2: right. Haunting house stories often attribute the haunting to specific places like Indian burial grounds instead of acknowledging the problem that happened there. Yeah. Now, the Pynchian family claims superiority based on possessing a piece of land. Even if they prove their ownership, it won't make them feel complete or whole again. It's like this missing piece because there's this mysterious bit of paper that's disappeared. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, oh yeah, anyway, let's... Wow, all right, I know, I'm just... My mind's just spinning. There's another really good quote here. Uh, See if you like this. Horror. Horror teaches us to love which hurts us, threatens us, could kill us, and haunted houses teach us to live with the strange uh, and that contradictory love. How many times have we had parents say, Can I bring my five-year-old to your tour? They love this
0: stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm. How many times do we all watch horror movies because we love them, but we can barely look at them?
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of that is this wonderful feeling that it's happening somewhere else to someone else and not to us. Yeah. Because living through that is terrifying. And there's part of our darkness that loves that terror, but is afraid of having it happen to us. As long as it's happening to somebody else, I can look at it. Yeah. But don't talk to me about it if it's happening to me. Yeah. it would. To, and
2: this is what we say to paranormal investigators. They're going into people's homes and they're going, oh, yes, you've got a demon, you've got this, you've got that. The family's terrified and they don't know what to do. And the investigators go, yep, that's what's happening. Bye. Mm. And leave them in this state. Mm-hmm. Because they don't know how to deal with it themselves. Because it's probably not ghosts. It's these poor people who are in this state of terror and creating their own
0: issues. And And the worst thing is, as you just mentioned, if they love it enough not to let it go, because it forms an identity for them, they become the victims. And... A victim can sometimes feel quite special. Yes. Because they receive the attention they've always been needing and longing for. Yes. Which still doesn't help the sight or the problem or the issue be solved. And how many times have we had
2: somebody who we can give them a logical explanation for what's happening they which takes their it. special away. Mm, they don't want it. that you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if they lose that, they lose their identity. Mm-hmm. And this is why we're shitty investigators. That's right, because we tell the truth, <laughs> damn it. Oh, I'm starting to wonder now if we're on an episode of Diary of a Ghost Hunter or, or True Haunting. We're on True Hauntings, no, aren't we? Look,
0: the, the, the point of all of this is that this book did change the way people looked at hauntings. Yes, This book changed a lot. And um, it was in a, quite an appropriate time happening uh, in an appropriate place because the Salem witch trials were all about mass hysteria. So there was guilt yes. that was laden into this town. And there were people who made money out of yep. the blood of these people. Yep. Yep. Their life essence. Yeah, And <gasps> this kind of was brought to the surface and, again, made into something that existed beyond that, it shifted the guilt from the people that were involved to a ghost, to something that we could all look at and go, oh, let's all be scared of that, rather than deal with the, the real issues. Yep. Uh, look, I'd,
2: I'll put that link up to that article. There is so much more to it. They actually go through, they'll say first gable, second gable, and they go through seven gables with different aspects of hauntings. I mean, we, we're f- almost 50 minutes into it now. We, I, I could be here for hours talking well, about we this. We might have
0: to do another show just on this. Yeah,
2: well, <laughs> but I'm going to leave you just with a few more things yep. that have been actually reported. So I'm mm-hmm. leaving all that yes. trope behind. Mm-hmm. The haunted manor has uh, more unexplained actions from within, such as lights turning on and off at will, as well as water faucets actuating on their own. Museum staff and visitors have reported feeling an unknown entity in the house. See, that sounds very typical, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Uh, A psychic woman once took a tour of the house and claimed she saw a young boy playing up near the gables. Mm -hmm. So this one says they were playing up near the gables, even going so far as to capture a photo of him. Wasn't it the gardens, the other one they were talking mm-hmm, about? Mm-hmm. Has somebody got their G words muddled up there? Uh, and as you said, there is supposedly a hidden room that's now been discovered within the house. Mm-hmm. A dining room where musicals and dances were once hosted. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a big room. Mm-hmm. It's, apparently those rooms are tiny in there. How could you hide a big room like that in a haunted house? Anyway, this, that was from SalemGhosts.com. All right. Now, where do we go with this? Because we've now got a book written about the house that has become the trope, the the guideline for hauntings and what people fear and the the fact that they're not acknowledging um, the, like, the Indian burial grounds, or the slave trade, or yep. the murders within the house, yep. and you've made some gains, or you got it as a bargain because yep. somebody else suffered there. <clears throat> yep. um, there, th- this happened within this house. Mm-hmm. There was a man who condemned, well, part partly, well, you know, one mm-hmm. of the judges who condemned mm-hmm. fourteen people to die, mm-hmm. and they weren't guilty. They were. It's just very well, sort of fits the, the deal. So let's kill them anyway. Yeah. So, is this house haunted? Are the staff trying to keep it quiet because they don't want it muddled up with the story of the book, or, or is it haunted? What's going on, Renata?
0: I oh, know. I don't know. I can't say. I know. I can't, I've I've never visited. I've I never know. been. I've, it's not my place to say whether it's haunted or not. Yeah, the stories aren't terribly
2: convincing, from what I've read. Uh I, I don't know Id well I don't even I don't
0: think they would allow a paranormal investigation in there somehow or other mm, don't know um I'd still visit i I still want to go to Salem yeah. absolutely I would And visit see the, the place. place yeah um, is it haunted let's let's leave it be let's yeah. let's do something nice for the house of the Seven Gables and honor. The Turner Ingersoll families mm. for having created um The museum and everything there. And and, and a place um, to visit finance for the township. Yeah. And um and I'd like to thank Nathaniel Hawthorne for
2: writing that mm-hmm. and then the the person that's written this other article for helping me understand where the the typical haunting of a house
0: came from Mm -hmm. now. And let's just say we're going to be haunted by this story for a very long time into the future. I'm going to be stewing on the information on Mm. this one.
2: Anyway guys, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed the little bit of a change up in this, a bit of a discussion on what we thought was going on and I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's really made me think I need to go and have some Panadol now. But <laughs> thanks for being with us. Don't forget, if you want to become a supporter, join our Patreons as a grand poo bar and join the secret club. Find out what's going on in the, the background and uh, get some lives when we're investigating haunted houses. Or you can buy us a cup of coffee. Just look up buy a cup of co- What is it? Buy us a coffee or buy me a coffee buy me a and coffee. Renata. Yep. We'll have the links below anyway so you can see it there. Thanks so much for supporting us. Share it around. See you on the dark side.
0: And remember, stay frightfully good.
3: Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata follow at Ann and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube or visit their website www.annandrenata.com